And um, this series actually came about from another series I was doing about the latter times. Um, I don't know about you, but if you're awake this morning, you know we are living in latter times. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want to take you there for a minute. I want you to see that with me. Let me get there myself. I'm, I'm young, but I'm an old school pulpit type preacher. I like to have pulpits. So uh, <laughs> if it's kind of odd to you, I'm sorry, but that's what I like. Um, grew up that way. It says here in verse 1, it says, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it, if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the um, truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training of, is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. And so, um, as I was saying, this kind of, brought me into the practice of a godly life, and as I was reading that, I came across also a book called The, uh, the Practice of Godliness, something like that by uh, Jerry Bridges. You may be aware of him. He's a late uh, author. He's passed away to be with the Lord, and um, anyway, <clears throat> just looking at this and studying out godliness and understanding a little bit more about it, and kind of saw that if you're paying attention and um, one of the things as a pastor, I've been concerned about the state of the church in America and how it's begun to adopt philosophies and ideologies rooted in the basic principles of this world and not in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you uh, can you agree with that. Do you does that seem like something that's happening in, in the in the time you live in? It's not just me. <laughs> uh, we see um, there are churches today that have adopted the lies of Marxism through critical race theory, which is one that, you know, uh, intersectionality is another one. Big words, but they're just uh, there to try to intimidate you. But they have meaning behind what they're doing. Uh, there are churches that are accepting the lie that God accepts us in our practice of sexual and moral behavior. There are churches right now that ordain homosexual pastors. They ordain uh, transgender pastors. I mean, we have all kinds of things going on today in Christendom. And all of this is because in the church, there are wolves in sheep clothing. There are people who are living a lie, who are, as Paul writes here, hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. In other words, these people have abandoned, they haven't rejected as what Paul writes to, uh, or in an earlier book to the Thessalonians, they haven't rejected 
uh, Christianity altogether yet, they have abandoned the truths of Christianity, the truths of the gospel, the basic essential truths of God's word, the very things that we look at. When I say that, think about the black and white things of scripture. In other words, we all, we all know in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul in verse 9, I believe, talks about where no sexual moral person will inherit the kingdom of God. But we have pastors today who say, well, I guess, uh, you know, over much thought and consideration and prayer, I now think we should accept homosexual marriage in the church. I think this is what we should do. And the very words that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy many years ago are for being fulfilled in our day, which are these are the words that he said, they will abandon the faith. And follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Because let me tell you, friends, if you're a believer born again of God's spirit, there is no way God is going to tell you to reject his truth. Okay, praise God. Hey, you're like, this is much better than it was when I first came here. Hallelujah. You can hear a pin drop. And I, praise God, man. I'm, Pastor James is working on y'all, man. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's, a, it's just, I'm so used to like getting yelled at, you know, not in a bad way, but like, <laughs> hallelujah, praise God, you know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, the point is that we're seeing these things happen today. Why is uh, this a big deal to, to me and why should it be a big deal to you? Because we uh, have been called uh, to understand the times in which we live. And what's happening um, as I, I mentioned there, there are people accepting sexual moral. We have pastors and churches that are accepting the lie that there are more than two genders. Other churches are simply in a state of hypnosis and are not being salt and light. They're just having church and having their little, uh, uh, what's the word I want to say, a country club experience at church. But they're not effective. They are asleep. As Paul writes, they're asleep. The, a person that is asleep spiritually, it doesn't mean they're not a Christian. It means they're asleep and they're carnal. They're not thinking about pursuing God and a heart after God. Their heart is after the things of this world and, the, and what the flesh wants, but not what the spirit wants. And eventually, if that's what you continue, you may not even be a follower of Jesus Christ. You might just be a person that has conformed behavior and you're in the church. You've been here all your life. I mean, I remember when my wife and I were one Saturday, went passing out flyers for our, our new church and we were talking and I uh, was talking to a man. Holy, and I was like, how you doing, sir? Oh, I'm a Lutheran. Okay, I didn't. I mean, <laughs> I didn't ask that, but okay. And uh, so we started talking, and it's like, yeah, I've been in the same church since I was a little bit, a little kid. I said, well, praise God, you know, and uh, and just had a good conversation. But at the same time, you get a sense that a lot of times, especially within the Bible Belt. See, I'm from Miami, Florida, and usually it's the South, but it's not the Bible Belt. Um, there is Christian influence in Miami. There are some of that. But ultimately, um, it is not like here. This is a cultural thing here, church, being at church. Many, uh, even with my own family, my children, they grew up in a Christian home. I did not. And so what is the custom is, hey, we go to church on Sunday. We're here. But the, the issue is not that we go to church on Sunday. Uh, it's the issue, do I know the one I'm going to worship? Do I have a relationship, a personal relationship that is fervent, that is about devotion to God? This is what godliness is, and we'll get into that, why I went from there, because it's so important. You know what God wants all of us to live a godly life? It's not just for the pastor. 
and the teachers. He wants you, brother, sister, young person, elderly person, to live a godly life. He wants you to live a life that pleases him. And uh, I, I know that we get in, in these things, but this is what happened. We find some, some, some churches. And, and remember, when I say churches, I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about the people. Remember, the church is the people. I know we're so used to our, 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 this side of, of Scripture that buildings are churches. And no, no, no. People are churches. You are the church. We are the ecclesia. We're the called out ones. We're the ones that God has snatched out of this world. Hallelujah. He took us out of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. And now we belong to him. We're children of God. Amen. And we're of the household of faith. And each one of us is a member of the body. And we all have a part within this body. Every one of you have a part to play in the body of Christ. God has given you, and I was hearing that you guys were doing a teaching on gifts and, and all of that. That's important for the edification of this body. You see, Paul mentions these types of people that I'm talking about here in uh, 1 Timothy. And we're going to get to my message. I just want to, I got to get you there. You know, we might, anybody, if you got chicken, make sure you, you check it, you know. You might have a camera in the oven. Just make sure the camera, don't, you don't see no smoke. <clears throat> Paul mentions these type of people in Romans 1, 32. He says, although they, knew, they know God's righteous decrees, that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. You see, um, What's happening is you have these people who are in the church, um, within the body of Christ. And see, sometimes you have this as a pastor. You're thinking, well, how do I call them out? And, I, and, and when should I call them out? And, and some pastors feel like, oh, you shouldn't do that. And, but, you know, the apostle Paul called people out. He called them out. Why? Because they were living for this world. And he wanted people to know who they were. He wanted to say, mark these people. Don't be around this. So sometimes we've got to be mindful of that and know that there are people within Christendom who have not yet deserted the Christian faith totality in its totality, but they have rejected the truths of the gospel. They have begun to believe the lies of this world. They have exchanged the truth for a lie. They know what God decrees are, but now they say, well, we're, you know, see what God wrote back then. It was a different time. It was a different type of people. And it doesn't mean for us. We're, in, we're, we're more civilized now. We're, we've progressed. You know, we're, we're better now. We have more wisdom. We have more technology. You know, this whole, this is just, some of this is outdated. You don't even have to, you know, just tear it out of the Bible. It's not, it's, it's not worth it. Well, if you do that, then you're not godly because godly people are committed to the word of God and to following what God's word says. Amen. You see, so Paul was saying that this was happening is true in our day. And he gave us an antidote against this. What what against what? Abandoning the faith. And when we talk about the faith, I want you to understand here. I'm not talking about that you have desert that you have defected from Christianity that will happen when you do this process. There's a process to get to the apostasy part uh, that uh, Paul writes in Thessalonians. And I believe the first step becoming an apostate is first you have to abandon the truths of the faith. 
And the truths of the faith, those common things the Bible tells us are true and they're, they're for the test of time. They're not something that we can, there is no gray area here. There is no, uh, well, it might be this way. No, no, no. God's word is true and every man be a liar. Amen. We're to be careful not to do that with God's word. So, well, this doesn't, uh, you know, no, no, no. God's word, when we read it in its context and we properly study the scriptures, we're able to understand what God wants from us. And God wants all of us to be, God, to be godly people. Paul gives the answer. I want you to see this. He says, he tells them, have nothing to do, in verse 7 there in Timothy chapter 4, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. There is a process that you and I as believers have to do. You know, those of you that were in Sunday school, you were actually in training. You know, how many of you are like me, like to talk a lot about training and physically? Man, you know, ah, get in that gym and, you know, man, I know I, I watch these videos and I've got all the information. I know how to get my, my legs right, my, my chest right, and, and my, my belly right. You know, you got to do some cardio. You got to mix it up. You got to have uh, intermittent fasting. And you've got all this information. And what happens if you don't train it's just information. And so as believers, just like in the natural, a person has to physically get in the gym. Look, the, per the first point that you got to have, the first thing you got to have, just show up. Get there. Get under your pastor's teaching. Get under your teacher's teaching. Show up. Get under the word of God and be, be there. And then that's here at home. Get up in the morning early. You know how you can do that? Go to bed early. You want an early resurrection? Go to bed early. Well, I have no problem. See, but if you go to bed at 1 and you got to be at work at 6, you gotta, that's going to be a problem to get up. And you, Jesus will be talking to you, could you not tarry with me for an hour? Yeah, go to bed early and you'll get up and show up and be in the presence of God. Say, Lord, I want to be with you. I want to be where you are. I want to hear from you today. Holy Spirit, Illuminate my eyes. Help me to see and understand. Make this simple man wise. You see, the problem is sometimes we think too much of ourselves. You're not wise enough. <laughs> You're not wiser than Satan out there. He's been doing it for a long time. He's known as a deceiver. Jesus said, hey, he's the father of lies. He's been lying from the beginning. So if you and I believe that we're going to be able to come against an enemy a foe that has been doing it for centuries and think that we, we don't need God, we don't need to be connected to the, to the vine to have the ability to withstand the, 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 what the enemy is going to bring upon your life, then you have another thing coming to you. Matter of fact, actually, I believe the enemy wants you that way because you're not a threat to him and his kingdom. He wants you to be asleep. Yeah, just be asleep. Let me keep giving you some of this uh, uh, stuff to put you to sleep here. This high of being in, in your Christian club. This feels so good. Don't you feel? Doesn't it feel great? But you're not effective. You're in a hypnosis. You're in a, you're in a state of a sleep. Well, the only way that we are going to overcome an abandonment of our faith, the truths of our faith, is number one, we need to be training ourselves in godliness. And this is where I'm going. Godliness uh, is defined, and I like this uh, 
again, the late author uh, Jerry Bridges defines godliness. Godliness can be defined as a devotion to God, which results in a life that is pleasing to him. When you and I are practicing godliness, we're saying, Lord, I am, my heart is devoted to you primarily, number one. See, because, you know, <laughs> as a pastor for years, there's always stuff to do in church. Right? There's always something. You know, you remember Martha, right? And Mary? There's always something going on. And Martha was that one that was serving and doing everything she had to do to get things ready for the master. And and and, and Mary was different. I'm, I don't believe Mary was being lazy. I believe Mary knew there were some things to be done, but there were some more important things first that needed attention. And the first thing was our pursuit of God. Our heart's attitude is to know him. You know, what did Paul write there? He says, I want to know Christ. And in your life, where is that desire? I want to know Christ. I want to know him and be found in him. Right? I want to be with him. I want to know my Lord. I want to have a relationship with him that is beyond the superficial, that is beyond knowledge. I, wanted to, I want to have a fervent relationship with my Lord. I want to walk with him. I want to talk with him, right? An old hymn. You don't do that if you're just living for yourself and you get up and you go and live and do whatever you want to do. No, that's fleshly living. That's not godly living. And so the only way that you and I are going to have an antidote against abandoning our faith is we need to pursue a life of godliness. We need to live a life that is godly. The, the things that I talked about and we're going to talk about today, the first things that I talked about concerning godliness, I'm trying to move fast. Um, they, de they are devoted to the word of God. A godly person is devoted to the word of God. That's one thing I hit. The second thing I talked about a few weeks ago is that they are devoted to prayer. A godly person is devoted to prayer. You know, a person that doesn't pray is a proud person. Because you think you're self-sufficient. You don't need God. Why would I ask him for anything? I'm self-sufficient. I've got money in the bank. I don't need to ask God for anything. Well, friend, you're, you're in desperate need of God in that situation because you've put your hope in the wrong thing. Remember, uh, Paul uh, tells Timothy in chapter 6, he tells, tell the rich not to depend on their riches because there's going to come a day that riches find wings and fly away. And we're seeing that in this economy, aren't we? Our riches as a nation are flying away at the stroke of a pen. We're seeing it. So we don't not to put our trust in those things. We're to put our trust in the living God. We're to put our hope in Jesus Christ. So let's go now to our, our main thing. Today I want to talk to you about a godly person is devoted to fellowship. Fellowship. So godliness is our antidote against abandoning the truths of the faith. Then we need to know what is the practice of a godly life? What does a godly person, one that is in pursuit of knowing God, what does their life consist of? What is their characteristic of a godly person? Well, we talk, as I said, that they're devoted to the word of God. They're devoted to prayer. And here, we're, the godly person is devoted to fellowship. Fellowship. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through, uh, 42 through 48. Let me get there myself. Let's see here. 
It's a familiar passage. I'm, again, one of the roles, too, as a pastor, I'm not, we don't, we're, we, we're reminding you of what you should already know. That's our role, remind you. You know why? Because we got thick heads, don't we? <laughs> we just, I, you know what? That's right. <laughs> I remember that. That's right, because God wants to remind us. We constantly forget things, right? Don't, uh, perfect example, your children. How many times you told them to take out the trash? How many times you told them to clean your room? And uh, some of you even have a, a day and time when things are supposed to be done. How many times do you have to remind them to do it? Well, the same way in the household of God. The children have to be reminded. Hey, this is what I expect. This is, what I, this is the conduct I expect from you. This is how I, ex I expect you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This is what God has called pastors, these gifts, in the body of Christ to help you remember what God has said and to help equip you for that service that he's called you to. Look there in Acts 42, uh, 2.42. Look what it says here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued meeting together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And uh, your pastor is going to be coming from uh, verse 47 next week when, he, when the Lord brings them up here to before you. He's going to be coming out of there, and I'm going to be just ahead of him in the, in the beginning. He's going to work his way back from there. So we had a good conversation about that yesterday. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit works, right? <clears throat> he puts us all in, in sync at times. And so here we go. Um, we're seeing this, this term here, fellowship. They were devoted to other things too, but I, I wanted to focus on fellowship because I did talk about uh, the Word of God, which is part of being devoted to the apostles' teaching, obviously, and prayer I've already mentioned. But here I want to talk about fellowship. Fellowship is the, we get this uh, Greek word, it comes from the Greek word konania, which means fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation, intercourse. See, um, this is an important part of someone who is pursuing God, who is a heart after God. They want to be in fellowship with the community of God. They want to come into fellowship. A person that is a, a, a godly person is not looking to be isolated. They're not looking for isolation. They're looking to be together with God's people in partnership and sharing with the work that needs to be done. Amen. So there's some things about fellowship. Why was this so important? Because I, I look at my life and without fellowship, I don't know where I would be. Without that being in my life as a Christian, having fellowship with God's people. See, the world, if if. The, the message of this world is to segregate us, is to separate, separate us. Oh, you're a woman, you're black, you're white, you're Hispanic, you're this, you're that, and this and that, right? That is what the world is doing, but God is doing something different. God has called his people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to worship who? The Lamb of God. This is the body of Christ. We're made up of many members. Hallelujah, man. Man, isn't that good news for this terrible world we're in right now in this wicked and perverse generation that wants to 
to put people against each other all the time? God, they want to put us against each other in our, because of our genders. They want to put us against each other because of our uh, color of our skin. Whatever it is, our political views, whatever it is, they want us to be separated. Why? Uh, kingdom divided against itself is what? Can't stand. Well, why? I mean, I, I, this is why fellowship is important. We are seeing it, within the body of Christ, it's so important. Why? Because we should have a, a common a common faith, a common value system. And how do we get common value systems from the word of God? The reason within churches we have so many divisions, so many issues within the church, within the body of Christ, is because we're not humbling ourselves to the word of God. We're looking at the word of man. We're looking at pastor so-and-so. We're doing what the Corinthians do. I like this pastor over that pastor. I think this guy's better, and, and I like this one and this one. You know what? If they're truly Christ, they all belong to all of us. They're gifts to the body of Christ. Okay, you're not my congregation, but I'm still a gift to you. I'm here, ain't I? I could be somewhere else. But I could be like those others and say, eh, whatever. I don't want to do that. I don't know those people. What? Do, no, but God knows you, and we're part of the same body. We might be in a different local assembly, but we're, far, we're part of the same universal church. Amen? Yeah, I know. God is good. See, the church in the Greek is ekklesia, and it, is the, it, it comes from these root ek, which is out of um, kylo, which is a calling. So the word in its original Greek has two meanings, assembly, a called out or called together. If you're born again of God's spirit, you have been called out of this world and called together into a new community. And that community is the household of faith. You see, I was once in this world. And I once was had commonality with the world. There were things I wanted to sin. Why? Because my father was the devil. I wanted to do what my father wanted me to do. But I have a new father. I've been adopted into God's family because of Jesus Christ. And you and I, who are born again of God's spirit, we are no longer old. We are new creations. We are part of a new community. We have a new value system. But what's happening? We're allowing an educational system in this world, uh, people who we think are wise in this world, to tell us how we're to have values. No, friend. The Word of God tells you what you should value. The Word of God tells you how you should vote. The Word of God tells you how you should live. The Word of God tells you how you should treat one another. That's it. Why do I need to borrow from somebody else? Why do I need to borrow from a ideology of this that's rooted in this world to be able to understand the world. No, the Bible says that we're to have a biblical worldview. That when we look at the world, we're to put, you see how I put on these lenses? I can't, y'all kind of fuzzy right now. But when I put these on, wow, I see clearly now the rain is gone. <laughs> All right, I can see clearly what I couldn't see and that's what happens. When Christ comes in, you were blind. You could not see. But when he comes in, 
you can see now clearly. And when you are looking at the world, you're not to look at the world with the lens of the world, what you used to look at the world like, what you were taught as a kid, what you used to be. No, I am, as Paul said, I've considered everything a loss for the sake of knowing Christ. You know what he said? He matter of fact, he used the word manure. I consider everything as dung in the, for knowing Christ my Lord. To know Christ, this is what it's about. We are no longer a world. We are a, king, we're a Christian culture. We're a different culture. We're not to live like the world. And we're not to be in the groups of this world. We're to be within Christ. Oh, man. Why? Because we need it. We have to have community. We weren't meant to be isolated but we're in a new community. Uh, I'm reminded um, fellowship is so important in the, in, in the life of a believer because it brings us into a new community, and God made us for community. We are not made to be alone. God did not make you and me to be by ourselves or to be out in this world again. I mean, God wants you to be like him and his son. The problem is because we are sometimes we fear men, we have fear of man. We're not willing to stand for the truth. We're not willing to be in this culture and, and be told, hey, I don't like you because of what you believe. We don't want to hear that. We want to be liked. You know, I want my Facebook likes. Well, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Come on, I want to be liked. You know who I want to be liked by? God. That's the only one that matters. Everything else doesn't matter. Because today the people that like you are going to hate you tomorrow. Because the moment you take a stand on the word of God and say, it ends here and no further. You're not coming. This is not coming into my dwelling. I stand for the word of God. They're going to start to hate you. And why? Why, is it, why would you think this is odd? We shouldn't, right? This is part of life. A follower of Jesus Christ is going to experience what our master did. He was loved, and he was also hated. See, Paul writes in Genesis 2, 18, he says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. You know, we were made for fellowship. We were made to have community. The first institution that God created was for there to be communion, fellowship. They were sharing together life. And right now at Grace Chapel, all of you are to share life together. Amen? Why? Because you're, you're of the same faith. Same Lord. Let's go on. This new community of believers is made of one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. This is found in Ephesians 4, 4 through 5. You can go look at it later. Ephesians 4, 4 through 5. We're, we've been called differently. And I love it, Ephesians 4. If you go on, I want to go over there. There's something, as, as I, I've always loved this passage because there's so much in there. Um, to so so much richness for us to, 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 to grow and learn. And he, and he talks about Jesus giving gifts to men. 
And I want to talk about this new community. This new community has given you apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip, equip you for works of service. This community, this, this community we share has leadership that God has instituted, that God has gifted, not that man gifted, that God gifted to help you ready for service. I mean, how many, how many of you, uh, I don't know, I mean, you, you, maybe you don't know, what, do I, what am I supposed to do? How, how do I, what am I supposed to do as a Christian? What is my role in this community that I live in? How am I to reflect Christ to this world? But that's what we're here for. We're going to equip you. We're going to train you. It's not so you can have, I mean, I, I promise you, some of you know the Bible more than I do. But you know what? It doesn't matter because if you're not doing anything, it's just head knowledge. Give me somebody that barely knows the Bible but is willing to do what God says. And I can work with that. Why? Because James had it right. He said, hey, watch it that you don't think you're, <laughs> you're hot stuff. And you know why? Because there are people that they, all they do is listen to the word of God. But they don't obey it. They don't do it. Don't be that way. Don't be someone that hears the word and does nothing with it. That's not faith. Faith is when I hear the word of God, I apply it in my life. I begin to apply it in my life. I begin to, okay, God, what is it that you want? Holy Spirit, lead me in how you want me to do things. What am I supposed to do with what I just read? How is this going to flesh out in my life today? No, but we like to hear the pastor preach and get our ears tickled. We love it. But God wants us to serve. But he wants us, number one, to know him so we can serve. That's the point of learning the word of God, so you can get to know your father in heaven, so you can get to know your Lord Jesus and begin to walk with him and, and talk with him and begin to live a life that is pleasing to him. And then now you're more focused not about your life. Why? Because the Bible says, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily. If I'm going to walk with Christ, I've got to deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow him, walk with him. And so these gifts have been given to the church uh, the, the, uh, for the work. These are, uh, they've been given for us to, for ready for works of service until we also, to build us up, right, and that we come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. If you keep on reading there in Ephesians chapter 4, and it's, it goes on from 9, uh, 9 to 13, you'll find that there. These gifts, and so when you hear me say gifts, this is what I'm talking about today. The, the five-fold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. I'm talking about these five specifically concerning the community. Why? Because this is important, who you listen to. In this community, um, these gifts help us to mature in our faith, uh, and, and it helps us to share in the love and the truth of God's word. See? Jesus told the disciples in John 13, 34, 34, a mark of his, belief, of his followers. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, it says, if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the truth of the living, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. Did you know that? That the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. You see, Jesus came in grace and truth. 
And what's happening today, we, we like the favor on the grace side, but bring no truth. See, the thing, they're like a, I was talking to one pastor, he said they're like, a, they're like the wings on a plane. Got to have them both or you're going to go down. You can't have grace and no truth, and you can't have truth without grace. They are a pair. They work together, grace and truth. So as I'm helping you where you're in your sin, trying to bring you out of it, I'm going to speak the truth and love to you. I'm not going to tolerate you saying, well, that's just how I am. Well, no, brother, sister, the Bible says we're to conform to Christ. We're to deny ourselves. We're going to turn away from this, and we're to turn our focus on him. We're going to repent and believe. We're going to turn away from our old way of life and live a new life. Well, pastor, I just like going to these places. Well, pastor, I just like these kinds of movies. I like these kinds of music that I listen to. Uh-oh. Well, does it glorify God? Is there anything in that song that is going to cause you to sin against God? Then, you know what? Put it away. It didn't say you can't listen to anything, but there is, there is certain music out there we know is trash. It is just straight-up trash. It is bad. Right? We know this. I'm talking to young people. They know that word trash. You know, they use it all the time like it's nothing. They're talking to each other. Oh, man, that's trash. Oh, you play like trash. This is how they, that's how they talk. I'm, I'm, parents, I'm letting you know. You probably know. You've heard them in their games talking, oh, this guy's trash. You know? They're talking about how they play a game. <laughs> and they use these terms. But it's true. There are songs that are just bad. They're no good. They don't have anything that glorifies God. And all it wants you to do is get your mind on sinning. Amen. But that's not what God wants from us. I like this quote by uh, Charles uh, Colson. He writes, but fellowship requires more than the supportive love that wraps its arms around someone who is hurting. It also requires the tough love that holds one fast to the truth and the pursuit of righteousness. Powerful. Lastly, we are to be careful of the company we keep. Young people talk to you. We're to be careful with the company that we keep. How many times you heard your parents tell you that? I don't like those people you're hanging around with. I don't, I don't like the spirit in which they come about and what they talk about and the things that they live. We try to talk to you about these things. And I mean, this is for adults too. This is for all of us. But young people especially right now. Be careful the company that you keep. Fellowship must be guarded because not everyone who claims to be part of the church is true. Remember what Jesus said? He said, you will know them by their fruits. Matthew 7, 16, Jesus said this. See, since, since a part of fellowship has to do with the gifts, when I talk about the gifts, remember I was talking about the fivefold, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, we need to be careful who we frequently listen to. Because not everybody that's a pastor is of Christ. Remember, Paul told the church that Satan has his own apostles. And they're like him. They come masquerading as angels of light. He is a masquerader. He is a deceiver. And uh, uh, the thing about man is they don't realize that they're deceiving because they're deceived. Because if you... if if you knew it was deception, then it wouldn't be deception. That's the thing about deception. You don't know. You're deceived. 
unless God opens your eyes, unless he rents the veil. That the, what we pray for people, God, remove the veil from their minds that they might see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Open their hearts, their minds to you. Man, I'm telling you. So we got to be careful who we're listening to. we got to be careful what we're taking in. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. I want to show you this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're almost done. I'm about to land the plane. I know some of y'all got to get your medication and... And the chicken in the, in the oven. So I got you. I'm getting there. I'm hungry too. Uh, let's see. Uh, I normally have four eggs and I had three. So I, I feel a little <laughs> empty right now. Uh, again, where, oh, yeah, First Corinthians. I'm over here messing around. Sorry, y'all. All right. First Corinthians chapter 15. Go with me to verse 33. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, we, we see this passage, and it's in the middle of a massive chapter in 1 Corinthians. Go with me to verse 12 of that same chapter. But if it is preached that Christ has not been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? That is the bad company Paul was referring to. That bad company was someone teaching what is contrary to the truth of God's word. That's the bad company. Some people like to listen to people give off these crazy ideologies and philosophies. They're taking it in, and they're like, wow, this is wonderful. I've never heard it put that way. I like to hear that. And give me some more. And all the while, the enemy is eating up your brain, brainwashing you into a value system that is not of God. And all of a sudden, you wonder why you're like you are now. What happened to me? Well, you believe the lie. You exchanged the truth. Why? I don't like it because God is, he's a killjoy. He doesn't want me to have fun. He wants me to be, you see, I want to have that bumper sticker coexist. I want to have it all like that. We want to have this. No, it can't be. Why? Because Jesus said, I came to bring a sword. We're not all going to the same place. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're not going to heaven. You do, if you have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, you're on your way to hell. But God, who is rich in mercy, sent his son that you don't have to go there. See, the, the, the gospel is, is inclusive, meaning that whosoever will come. For God so loved the world, but it's exclusive in that you're only saved through faith in Jesus Christ. You can't get in any other way. Jesus said, if you come another way, you're a thief and a robber. Well, you know, I, my Muslim friend or my Buddhist friend, it, your Buddhist or Muslim friend needs Christ. There is no coexisting. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, they will not coexist with Christianity. And we're seeing it today. We're seeing the decay in our culture. Why? Because the people have rejected God. Why do we see what we see today in our nation? Because we as a people have rejected God. We have gone our own way. So, Pastor, I don't... Yeah, we, we're... The, the, we are the referees, man. You and I, the church. And when the church is in the hypnosis state, it's what's happening. There are churches today that are saying, you know what, abortion's okay. 
And they were silent when, when uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned. Very quiet pastors. I mean, big churches. Big churches, big denominations. So I talk about that. I don't want to lose my money because they give. Those who like abortion give. And I don't want to lose those people. Well, friend, then you're hireling of Satan. That's the truth. Yeah, I know. I know it's hard. But that's what we need today. We got too many people wanting to fluff people, man. And that's what Paul, didn't he say that's what's going to happen? That, that they're going to gather themselves this heap of teachers who want to give them what their itching ears want to hear? That's why fellowship is so important. That's why who you listen to is important. The company you keep is important. Watch out for what you're listening to. If it's causing you to be more of this world, you're, you're, you're in danger of abandoning the faith. God wants you and me to live a heart after him and get in his word, be in prayer, stay in fellowship. See, there are going to be individuals in your life that you will need to separate from because they do not influence you towards godliness. They will allow you, uh, they will, um, they will, uh, you, you need to be able to join with people of the same faith, of the same heart. See, what fellowship does light have with darkness? There is no fellowship there. Now, um, let me qualify this a minute. I didn't say not to go into the world and talk to a lost person to win them. I'm saying don't share with them in commonality because you don't have nothing in common. You're, you're a pilgrim here. You're passing through. Oh, we may have common sports. We're talk I'm talking about spiritual things and the truth. You're not to have those things in common with them. But bring the message of the good news. The Bible says, blessed are the feet of those who bring the good news. You see, 1 Peter 4, 3 and 4, I'm going to end with this, says, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans chose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless and wild, reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you. You see, when you decide as a believer to, to say, I'm going to pursue God, and, and you know what? I know that, see, listen, I'm going to end with this example here. I remember when I first became a Christian, I was so excited about my Christ. I just wanted, I told all my friends, and they were like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> What's wrong with this dude, man? Like, oh, man, we're going to the club tonight. No, I don't want to go. I'm good, man. And they would call me weekend after weekend, and eventually they stopped calling. You know why? We don't have that in common anymore. I don't want to sin with you, man. I want to live to pursue God. I want to pursue love, faith, righteousness, godliness. I want to pursue the things that please my heavenly Father. That's what we ought to be doing as believers. Our heart desire, that is a godly life. It's not, and it's not a perfect life. It's someone who just says, Lord, I want you. Remember how they talk about King David, a man after God's own heart? Was David perfect? Absolutely not. Man, he messed up royally. I mean, he made some major mistakes. Sinful things. I mean, killing a person, taking his wife. Just craziness, right? But he still had a heart after God. 
There was something about David that God wants in our lives, a heart after him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Lord, when I look at my life and I look at where I am, Lord, I, 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 I can recognize, Lord, I need more of you and less of me. Lord, I pray today as we um, end this time that your word will do what it was set out to do. That from the seed, 30, 60, 100 times will, will come out of it. Lord, for, the, for this body of believers to live a life that pleases you. That they can manifest Christ in this world. That they can live a life that, that demonstrates to their neighbors, to their co-workers, to their uh, classmates that they belong to you. Lord, I, I pray that you'll have your way. I, I, Lord, I, I, I ask you to speak. Lord, if there's someone here today that, that says, Pastor, I heard what you were saying, but I don't really have a pursuit of God, but I, I've been convicted in my heart. I need Christ. If that's you today and you say, I need the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand. If you say, I need to repent of my sins and put my trust in Jesus because I don't want him like you're talking about, but there's something inside my heart now. The Holy Spirit's convicting me and I want to know him. I want to know him like that. I want to have an intimate, fervent relationship with Jesus. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. And Lord, I pray for the body of Christ to, to live a life that pleases you, to walk humbly before you. Lord, have your way. We lift up Pastor James. We lift him up to you. Lord, you are our healer. You sent your word and healed our disease. Lord, I pray for his back, that you would bring healing. Whatever's going on with the disc, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would put it back in place. Lord, so he can run the race that you marked out for him. And that he would run well, pursuing you, knowing you and making you known. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.